We are concluding a four-week mini-series today on the Holy Spirit. It's called Forgotten God. Um, if you've been here for our, uh, if you've been four for four, uh, you know that we've we've taken we've not really dug deeply into these different elements of the Holy Spirit. We've kind of flown by a little bit and said, "Hey, here's an overview of different elements of the Holy Spirit." We could probably take a, a three three or four month uh, time slot of a sermon series, and we could uh, do our best to try to introduce the Holy Spirit and what. He means um, to us, and that would probably be possibly sufficient, but maybe not. Today we are concluding, we are finishing last Sunday's sermon on the giftings uh, for the greater good, and then we are going to complete our series, and the title today is Walking in the Spirit. Walking in the Spirit. Last week we spoke... So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to finish last week's sermon, and then I'm going to give a conclusion. Simple enough. I feel like my father. My dad used to do this a lot. He would would preach too long, and he'd look at the clock and be like, all right, I need to quit. He'd finish it later, and then I'm like, you're you're going to ever finish it? But anyway, it's all good. We spoke on the spiritual gifts that were found primarily in 1 Corinthians 12 and Romans 12. Now, there are other places, Philippians and Ephesians, there are some places with gifts uh, listed, but we spoke of serving gifts yesterday. Uh, la- yesterday, last Sunday, like mercy or hospitality, administration. Uh, we spoke of speaking gifts like teaching, encouragement, wisdom. Can I ask you just by uh, raise of hand this morning? Were you able last week to either identify a gift that in you that maybe you didn't? Think of before, or were you reminded last week maybe of a gift that God has given you? Anybody by show of hands? Brian, what was yours? Tell everybody. All of them. Brian Kennedy has all of them. It's the first person we've ever met. Um, but I will say this. I had several of you come up to me uh, either, either at church last week or throughout the week this week and say, hey, listen, it was a good reminder for me because I know I have the gift of fill in the blank, and I want to make sure I'm using that gift. Um, some of you, I believe, have the gift of encouragement because this week you encouraged either myself or I know of other people in our church that were encouraged by other people in our church. And so that was very, it's very important. Uh, uh, Pastor Aaron at the end today is going to tell you an opportunity for maybe some helps and, and service uh, needs that we have between now and Easter Sunday. And, and we can help and use our gifts in that way. I challenged each of you to ask the Holy Spirit to identify the unique gift or gifts that he has given you as an individual. They are diverse. They are unique. I challenge you to consider those areas of your life and work at those areas of your life to cultivate those gifts inside of you. If your gift is hospitality, create spaces in your life where you can show hospitality to other people, opening up your life to others. If your gift is encouragement, then ask God to give, send people into your life who need encouragement so that you can then exercise your gift of encouragement. And I hope that he's done that, and I hope that he will continue to do that. I believe if you do these things, if you, if you identify your gifts and then you allow those gifts to stir up within you, then I believe you will experience 
a, a fire and, a, and, a, and a, uh, an energy and a passion in your Christian life that maybe you didn't have prior. Today's sermon will be a brief conclusion of the gifts, and then we'll take that challenge of walking in the Spirit at the end. Can you pray with me this morning? Heavenly Father, I pray that you would guide my words and my thoughts, that I would be very clear this morning, as clear as I possibly can be, and I pray that you would change us as a result. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. The sign gifts are the last section of gifts. We have serving gifts, speaking gifts, and sign gifts. Before we dive into this, let me say this, and I want us to be very understanding of this. There are ditches on both sides of the road when we begin teaching on the spiritual gifts, especially the sign gifts. There are those who would completely dismiss any sort of supernatural display of sign gifts. And then there are, that's one side of the ditch. And then there are others who sensationalize anything and everything and try to manufacture supernatural experiences that they call gifts. That's the ditch on the other side of the road. In my opinion, neither are necessarily helpful and neither are necessarily true to what the Bible says. I cannot explain 100% all these gifts and all that they imply. In fact, I will give you, as I mentioned earlier, I believe last Sunday, I'll give you a 90% on this one for me of the Lord has got, the Lord has got 10% that he needs to continue teaching me, but that's okay. Uh, by the way, it's, it's okay to say, I think this is what I believe about this, and I think this is, this is where I'm at, but there's a chance that that's okay. We don't have to be so prideful and arrogant to think we have everything figured out to the T. Because guess what? Theologians much smarter than you and much smarter than me have been debating these things for hundreds of years. Right? It's like, well, I know what I, I found out what I believe about such and such a theology. Oh, you have. That's really cool because people that wrote really thick books disagreed with the other guy over there that also wrote really thick books. Right? So it's okay. And that's where I'm at today. If you guys can give me grace on that, I would appreciate it. Here's what I believe with all my heart, and I want to make sure we understand this. I believe that the Holy Spirit can show his supernatural power any way he wants to, at any time that he wants to, and through anyone that he wants to. Can I repeat that? And I want you to grasp the statement this morning. I believe the Holy Spirit can show his supernatural power any way he wants to. Okay? He can do that any time he wants to. And he can show those through anyone that he wants to. Certainly, I believe a good starting point when we think of these sign gifts is to understand the purpose of the sign gifts. Uh, generally speaking, the sign gifts were used in community, as we spoke last week. The gifts weren't to be used in isolation. These gifts were to be stirred up within the local church, within community. The same with this. And these sign gifts seem to be used as validation of the ministry and the truth of what Jesus was speaking. Okay, so, very important truth. The sign gifts seem to be given for validation of truth. I think that's a fair statement. After we go through the sign gifts, I think you'll understand what I mean by that. They are given and were given as validation of the truth. And I'll be honest with you, this is why some believers uh, contend that these gifts are no longer active in the church. 
They believe that these gifts were performed by the apostles called apostolic gifts and that they are no longer necessary today due to the validation of truth that was given in God's word. And I'll be honest with you, that's the way that I was typically raised, and that's okay. Um, I understand the logic, and I can see that. But one reason that I cannot 100% grasp that and come to that conclusion myself is that there's simply nowhere in Scripture that instructs us and tells us that those gifts passed away. Now, there's a system of thinking that gets people there. But it's, I took this here from this, and I took that here from that, and I took that here from that, and I took that here from that. And if A plus B equals C, then C minus B equals A, and so this is how we can get there. That was right. I think I did it right. I'm not sure. <clears throat> I am committed to creating my theology around what God's Word says. Okay? About what God's Word says, number one. Number two. In the same breath, I am, have no interest in creating my, my theology around a, a personal experience that I had. Those are ditches. Well, I experienced the Holy Spirit touch me in my backyard by that tree, and I know he spoke to me. Well, guess what? That tree in your backyard, okay, great. That's how he chose to, spoke to you, speak to you right then. You don't create theology on that. Okay, I've got people... And I know of situations where, man, if you go to this retreat or you go to this certain location, man, the Holy Spirit, good night, man. That is where you, I promise you, if you go to that retreat and you go there, man, you're going to get the Holy Spirit. So I had no idea he resided there. I had no clue. So does everybody understand the tension, right? You have one side that's like, Holy Spirit ain't working in supernatural ways anymore. It's just the service gifts. It's just the speaking gifts. Do your thing, sit down and shut up. You have the other side that's like every little thing is a new theology of like, I legitimately have friends that are like, if they go to this certain baptism pool and they're baptized in a baptism pool, the Holy Spirit's going to heal them and everything is great. Those are ditches, folks. So I'm trying to be biblical this morning and I'm not going to spend all my time on this. So let's go. All right, ready? There we go. Move. All right. As I said earlier, the Holy Spirit, see, I did that. I actually spoke to my iPad and it moves anyway. Um, but the Holy Spirit can show his supernatural power any way he wants to, at any time he wants to, and through anyone that he wants to. So that's what we know for sure. The gifts we mentioned last week, this is our main point. The gifts are to be identified and manifested in the believer. You ready for sign gifts? Buckle up, man. Let's do it. Let's get awkward. You ready? All right, sign gifts. Miracles. Miracles. Miracles, this gift is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 9. This is the ability to call on God to do the miraculous, both in small scale and large scale scenarios. Now, I don't know what this would look like in your life or in anyone else's life. But this is that ability, this innate ability to say, God, we need the miraculous to happen. And the miraculous happens. Okay? God, I... I I'm at my wit's end. I have this hurdle in front of me in my life. And unless you move this hurdle from my life, there is no way forward. And God removes the hurdle. Okay, I, Miracles happen anytime God wants to. By the way, just because we're in 2022 doesn't mean miracles stop happening. I got a pastor friend out in the Midwest. 
had a little boy in his church fall and have some sort of nail puncture through his temple and his head. He was done. It was over. Went to the hospital, pulled that thing out. The boy made a complete recovery. Okay, don't tell me things can't happen. So miracles. Secondly, healing. Here we go. Healing. The ability to call on the power of God regarding someone's physical condition to bring about physical healing. Let me pause there. Notice I did not bring my suit coat up here. And I did not have you all come line up and I had catchers behind you and throw my suit coat at you. Notice that I don't get done with this sermon and say, hey, make sure you buy this new resource or this new book that I just put out about healing. For if I had that power, then I would not be here right now. I would be at the hospital right now, exercising my power. Okay? Charles checks people in at the hospital. I would walk past Charles and say, tell me the sickest people here. Let's do this. Right? But I will say this. I have been guilty, and I've talked to my connect group about this. I have been guilty my entire life of praying around healing and not praying for healing. I've said things like, and this is not bad. If you do, that's not bad. I've said things like, God, would you guide the doctor's hands? And I want him to guide the doctor's hands. God, would you give wisdom to the nurses and the medical? Absolutely, I want him to. And I would, I would pray, God, would you help the recovery time to be quick and get them? God, and I've prayed around every other element of their condition, except, God, would you heal their body? Would you take what is in their body that has been verified, and would you remove it to where the doctors say, I got no explanation. It's gone. I will say that I believe that I can work better and I can cultivate this gift of praying for healing in a better way. Carson walked into church today. Now, it's been a long road. Carson, if I gave her the microphone, I promise you she could preach it. All right? It's been a long road, hasn't it, Carson? But a year and a half ago, Carson rolled in here. And today she walked in here, right? Now, she has pain. It's not always perfect. God did not, men and kids are having fun. I love it. It's all good. Um, God did not, we, we prayed over Carson outside. You remember that? Outside, we, we brought you forward. We prayed over you at the end of a sermon in our James series. We prayed for her. That, that's got to be, I don't know. I'm trying to think of what kid it is. Um, but, uh. We prayed over Carson, and I can't tell you that that day that we prayed over her in front of this church, that she was healed that day. I can't tell you that. Well, you know what I can tell you? God's healed her body, and God's healing her. That's all I know. And we prayed for it, and we prayed aggressively for it. I think there's a balance there, as I often do when I pray, and I pray for healing. I always pray for God to heal them, and I always say, but God, more than anything, may your will be done. Because may I ask you this question? What is the ultimate healing for the Christian? Think about it. What's the ultimate healing for the Christian? To be reconciled with God the Father. Ultimate healing is to leave this corruptible earth and be incorruptible with Him forever. So God does as He pleases. There's a lot more I can get into in that, and I'm going to be good. I'm going to stop. Miracles, healing. Here's a good one. Prophecy. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. Philippians 4.11 
This is a tough one, but I'm going to help you with this if you'll, if you'll let me. The ability to speak to others something given to them by God and His Spirit. Prophecy. Okay? Now, some people say that that's just preaching. I believe teaching is preaching. That's the gift. I believe prophecy is the, the ability to say, Dave, right there, the Holy Spirit tells me, hey, listen, I, I, I want you to go to Dave Dugan. I want you to tell him this. I, I've experienced this. I want you to say this to him. I want you to, and I say something to Dave, and Dave actually shared something with me today that I didn't know about him, something going on in his life. I had the Holy Spirit, before he said anything, if I'd have walked up to him and said, hey, man, I, I just want you to let you know I'm praying about this certain area of your life. If I'd have said that, you'd have been like, Whoa, dude, like I didn't tell you what's going on in my life. That's really crazy that you just said that to me, right? That is me, that's, that is the Holy Spirit giving me something to say to you. Now listen, don't get spooked out by that. Do people abuse this? Absolutely. Absolutely people abuse this. Let me help you. How do you know if prophecy is true or prophecy is false? Does it come to pass? Is it, if I go to Tim... And say, hey man, the Holy Spirit just told me to say this to you. And I say it to Tim, and Tim goes, okay, but that didn't really mean anything to me. And a month goes by, and six weeks go by, and nothing ever, it doesn't, nothing like that comes into Tim's life. Okay, well, guess what? That wasn't true. And enough of those times come, guess what? I ain't got the gift of prophecy. I need to shut my mouth. Hey, how do you identify a false prophet? Over time, they continue prophesying about things, and they continue to be false. So if you think you have this gift, you better hold up, and you better make sure you are right. Can I tell you this? If you have been around someone who prophesies the second coming of Jesus, they are false. Because my Bible tells me that no man is going to know the hour, and no one is going to know the day. And we've looked at calendars. You remember, was it 2012? The Mayan calendar. And they're like, maybe we got it wrong. It was 2021. Okay, well, maybe you did. Now it's 2022. What you going to say now? So if you believe that this gift would be a part of you, you better make sure that you understand the only way to gauge whether someone is a true prophet or a false prophet, is it true? Is it false? Do you understand why the sign gifts are difficult? You understand why there's a lot of tension around these? It is not prophecy for me to go up to Jeff and say, Jeff, I just want to prophesy, man, that you're going to have a good week this week. Man, come on. You're like a cheap psychic at the state fair. <laughs> prophecy is something the Holy Spirit specifically, that's more like encouragement. Hey, man, I just want to speak to you and let you know, man, I hope you have a great week this week. That's encouragement. So once again, you understand the tension, right? You understand the tension, and I don't even know how this plays itself out all the time. Once again, I told you guys, give me grace here. Well, here you go. You ready? It's the last gift. It's always listed as the last gift. You ready? Tongues. Man, I know I'm not supposed to talk about this in church, right? Because if you grew, if you grew up believing in it, you're cool. If you, grow up, if you grew up not believing in it, you're like, Josh, please, what are we talking about? Why are you bringing this up? Why are you talking about this? We're just supposed to like let this go away, and when people ask us about it, we go, oh, no, man, we don't do that crazy stuff. Right? Okay, let me be very practical with you. It's found in, it's actually found in a lot of places. First, we're in chapter 12, in two different spots there, and in chapter 14. If you have questions about tongues, First Corinthians chapter 14 is your friend. If you are very skeptical about tongues, 
1 Corinthians 14 is your friend. If you think tongues ought to be uh, completely um, out there and you're way far gone on the other end, you don't want to read 1 Corinthians chapter 14 because it will bring you back down to earth. What is the gift of tongues? The supernatural ability to speak to others, not in your native tongue. To speak to other people, not in your native tongue. For instance, if every one of you in here spoke Italian, and I don't speak one word of Italian, is mozzarella Italian? I speak that. Pizza, I speak that. But if I were to begin presenting the gospel and edify you, and in Acts chapter 2, the miracle was that they spoke and people understood in their own language. And I were to say, and I were to begin presenting the gospel that, listen, the gospel is this, that we were born, and we were born because of Adam, we were born in our sin. And I begin preaching the gospel, and it comes out of my mouth, and it's me, I'm speaking English, and you hear it in Italian. Man, how incredible would that be? I'm not going to tell the whole story. But this often happens in, in underdeveloped countries, third world countries. Pastor Aaron grew up in Tanzania. I'll probably butcher a tad bit about this, so I'm going to be very general. But when Aaron was young, um, he was trying to, to uh, share the gospel with one of his friends. I think he was a kid in like grade school. Aaron, if I'm way off, man, you just tell me I'm way off. But he, he began to try to share the gospel with him and realized the language barrier was too great. But somehow through some other people, as this boy, this boy heard the gospel plainly and clearly and was able to, in his own language, Tell people what Aaron had told him about the gospel and that he had received Jesus? I think that's incredible. I think that's incredible. There's also, and I, once again, I'm not telling you that I understand this. 1 Corinthians 13, connected to the spiritual gifts. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels. Okay, so there's a, a secondary part of, of, of tongues that if, if I were to leave off, I would not be... Being honest. The second part of tongues that people oftentimes attribute to, and that is uh, the ability to pray in the language of heaven. Now, I've never experienced this, just to be honest with you. Um, but that they're, that, hey, listen, in heaven, we're going to speak some language. I don't know what it's going to be. Newsflash, it probably ain't English. That just messed up a lot of our theology, didn't it? First Corinthians 14 tells us this, and I hope this helps you. If anyone begins speaking in an unknown tongue in a public service, there must be, must be, will be an interpreter. Interpretation of the tongue. So let me, let me guys, I'm trying to be very practical with you. I'm not trying to spook you and scare you. There's never been someone speaking an unknown tongue in our church. And I'll be honest with you, more than likely won't. That's okay. It's actually great because it's, it's kind of awkward. I'm not going to lie. But here's what it would be. That you're speaking edification to someone. You're presenting the gospel to them. You're encouraging them. They do not speak your language. And you speak it and someone goes, I know what that is. Edel, what language do you speak other than English? What is it? That one. All right, and, and Edel says, and Edel says, hey, I know exactly what he just said. That was in my native language. I can tell you what he just said. That's the only way in a public setting that tongues is biblical according to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. 
And what does 1 Corinthians chapter 14 say? And, and I'm not here to preach against people who, do, who, who are more aggressive in this than I am. I'm not. 1 Corinthians says this. If you speak in a tongue and there's no interpretation, it is for your own good. It was just for you. It was selfish. It was not edifying of the body. So, all that to say, Josh, what do you believe about all these things? I can't tell you to the T, every single one of these, what I believe and how, how it functions. I will say this. I will not be the one, I will not be the one that says God cannot and will not do that. I'm not going to say that. Now, this can make you uncomfortable. And if you come from the same background that I come from, Welcome to the world of uncomfortability. It's all good. It's uncomfortable for me studying it. It's uncomfortable for me preaching it. But it's okay. It's okay. Uncomfortable is okay. I don't know how this looks. I do know this. If I'm ever in a setting, in a, in a, in a, in a third world country, a developing country, and I meet someone and, and the Holy Spirit impresses upon me to share the gospel with someone, man, I hope in that moment that they understand the gospel in their own tongue. And I can't tell you how that would happen. But, man, I pray to God that that happens. I pray to God if someone shows up here on a Sunday that doesn't speak English, that somehow we're able to communicate the beauty of the gospel to somebody. I don't know how that would work, but I'm not going to say God can't do it. I'm not going to say God can't do it. You say, What if someone comes in here and begins speaking in tongues? Man, I, I saw a sermon clip. Guy's preaching. He just blurts out, starts speaking in some. It wasn't another language either from what I could tell. I'm like, man, what, what good did that do? Freak some people out. And no one interpreted what he said. So I believe, I believe that God can do what he wants to do. Miracles, healing, prophecy, tongues. I just think it's a little more practical than what I'd ever thought. I believe it's a lot more practical. It's not, it's not experience. It's not working something up. It's not, it's not Tim going, get the band started, started low and then getting them hype and then somebody blurts out a tongue. It's not that. But it is a gift. Let me burst another bubble. And not every gift is given to every believer. So there are some that would teach that tongues are your evidence of salvation. Not every gift is given to every believer. We know this. Not every one of you have been given the gift of teaching. Not, not every one of you have been given the gift of wisdom, of encouragement. Not every one of you have been given the same gifts. What did we say at the very beginning of last Sunday? Last Sunday. There's diversities of gifts. They're unique. There are many theologians, and I'll be honest with you, uh, theologians that are on that side of the ditch, and even some over there that will at least admit to this, that tongues is always listed last, and they would even conclude that it's probably the least important or least given of all the gifts. I'm not going to speak that as gospel today. I'm just going to tell you in my study. As I said, I'd be crazy to tell you that I understand all this, and it's okay. I don't have to understand this. I do know this, that I believe in James, the book of James, that he instructs 
the church and the elders to pray for the sick, and that God will hear the, he'll, he will hear their prayers. I do know that. This morning, y'all, don't know, y'all didn't know this, but this morning before we came up here uh, on the worship team, uh, you couldn't tell it, but Melody has a little issue with one of her vocal cords. Um, and we prayed over her. We laid hands on her up here, and we prayed for her before we walked on the stage this morning. I believe in that. And we prayed specifically for God to remove what it is on her vocal cords. We pray specifically for that. And I will not stop doing that. If you want to be in a church that doesn't believe in that stuff, move on. Because I believe in Jesus and what he can do. I believe he can heal. He can heal, he can heal, he can heal. I will say this, that I'm not afraid of the Holy Spirit taking control of what I say and what I do of our order of service. I am comfortable being uncomfortable. It's okay. It's fine. I do know that the Holy Spirit is real. I believe he's powerful. He's dynamic. He is God. And he dwells in your heart. And he gives you fruit that we spoke about two weeks ago. And he gifts you in certain ways. Now, last Sunday's gifts were much easier. But I have to be honest with you, and I have to, I'm not going to skip those things just because it would be easy for me to skip those things. Let's talk about them. And that's what we did today. Fruit should be displayed in our lives. He gives us gifts that we ought to exercise. But how does this look, this spirit life, this spirit-filled life, how does this look on a daily basis? How does this look Thursday morning at 9.30? Right? How does it practically play itself out in our lives? And here's our conclusion today. We are to walk in the Spirit. We are to walk in the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5. And I am, I am so sorry that we are just now getting to a text. We kind of went through that text last week for the previous sermon. Galatians chapter 5 and verse six, 16. I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to, uh, to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. And then Paul gives us the works of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit. And then he says this in verse 24 and verse 25. And those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit, Paul says. If we will walk in the Spirit of God, then that Spirit will flow through us. And the fruit of the Spirit will be displayed in our lives. And the gifts of the Spirit will be utilized. We will be tools of God's Spirit as we live out the giftings that He gives us. Walking in the Spirit. We do not have time today for me to explain the old nature and the new nature. But suffice it to say, when you, became, when you came to faith in Christ, your old nature was crucified. It was dead. And you were given a new nature. The Holy Spirit of God came to live inside of you. You have, you have the Spirit. But we war against our flesh. And what is our flesh? It's our selfish ambitions. It's getting our way outside of Jesus. It's trying to do things that benefit ourselves. And not through the power of the Holy Spirit. And that wars against the Spirit. And listen, if we want to live in our flesh, we'll live selfishly, 
and we'll live for us, and we'll live an unhappy life as a Christian. But if we walk in the Spirit, we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. We will not live for ourselves. We'll live for others. We will not selfishly try to gain things for us. We will unselfishly serve and give and allow the fruit of the Spirit to display itself in our lives. I want to give you three thoughts on walking in the Spirit. Number one, it appears to be a decision that we must make. It appears to be a decision that we must make. He's speaking to Christians and he says this. You can fulfill the lust of the flesh or you walk in the Spirit. It seems like that Monday morning, that tomorrow morning when you wake up, you have a decision to make. Sorry, David. You have a decision to make. Am I going to fulfill the lust of the flesh? Am I going to walk in the Spirit? It seems like when you pull in the parking lot at work, or you turn on Zoom, however you interact at work, it seems like you have a choice to make. Am I going to operate in the flesh? Am I going to operate in the Spirit? So it appears to be a decision that we make, and I would say, choose biblically. Secondly, because it's a decision we make, it appear, over time it appears to become a spiritual discipline. Listen, I, we don't shy away from spiritual disciplines here. Spiritual disciplines are not legalism. Spiritual di- disciplines of reading our Bibles and spending time in God's Word and, and those things that God commands us to do as believers, we don't shy away from those things. Those are all good and right. And so over time, just like I hope, you wake up and you brush your teeth every morning. That's become a discipline in your life. I hope that we start each day yielded to the Spirit. Walking in the Spirit. Opening up God's Word. Spending time in prayer. You say, Josh, how do you, how do I help myself with spiritual disciplines? Man, I am, this is an unspiritual answer. You know how, you know how, this is by God's grace. I have not missed one day of my Bible reading this year. And this is really crazy. You want to know why I haven't done that? I made a, a, a pact with myself that before I ever, this is going to sound really terrible. Don't think less of me. Before I ever will open that tab and do my wordle for the day, that I will read my Bible through and spend time with the Lord. This is the way I said to myself. No word, no wordle. And guess what? I haven't missed a wordle. But, uh, but I haven't missed, you know why? It's now a part of just a regular routine. I don't think about it like that anymore. But it's now a part of my regular routine. That I wake up and here's what I do. Okay? Yielding to the Spirit and taking time every day to say, Holy Spirit, I want you to take control of my tongue, of my mind, of my heart, of my feelings. That's a spiritual discipline. Just like reading your Bible. So I want to encourage you to make this a part of your spiritual disciplines. Yielding to walk in the Spirit. And then, I love this one, we're done. It appears to be an active command. Not a compartmentalized segment of your day. 
Paul could have very easily said, sit with the Spirit. Lie down with the Spirit. Be inactive with the Spirit. No, he says an active word, right? Walking in the Spirit. So what does walking in the Spirit look like for me on a practical level to not compartmentalize my time with the Holy Spirit? It says, hey, listen, after church today, I'm going to interact with Stephen. And I pray that I not operate in the flesh because Stephen, man, he really made me mad last week. You didn't. But you did wear a Carolina shirt after, Duke, after Carolina beat Duke. I've given, I've, I've given it over to the Lord. Anyway, uh, man, and I, I'm saying this facetiously because there's obviously, but man, the last time me and Stephen crossed paths, there was a little bit of tension there. Holy Spirit, as I walk back to the back, I know I'm going to see him in that lobby. Would you help me to speak to him through the Holy Spirit, not through my flesh? Hey, we're going to go see, Easter's coming up next Sunday, right? We're going to have lunch with his extended family maybe after Easter service. And man, that cousin or that brother or sister or whatever, the last time we got together, it just, it was, there was tension there. It didn't go well. Man, when I walk into that space with them, would I be spirit-led? Would everything that I say be Holy Spirit-led, not fleshly-driven? Walk in the Spirit. Husbands, before you get home from work, you should pull in that driveway and you should say, before I walk into this door, would you guide my thoughts, Holy Spirit? Would you take control of my words, Holy Spirit? Wives, before you walk into the house, Holy Spirit, would you take control of my words and my thoughts, the things that I say, the things that I do? Moms and dads, Holy Spirit, would you guide my parenting and not let me operate and parent in the flesh, but in the Spirit? You see, folks, I hope, maybe you were expecting something different in the Holy Spirit series. I believe the Holy Spirit to be supernatural. I think we've covered that. But I also believe it to be very practical. And it's spooky. Sitting Halloween. It's very practical. Walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So if you fulfill the lust of the flesh, you aren't walking in the Spirit. And my goal and my hope for these four weeks is that we will be reintroduced to the Holy Spirit. That He would not be someone that we're scared of. That we would not allow other churches' abuse, maybe, of this doctrine of the Holy Spirit to remove Him completely from our lives. May we take a biblical approach. And I hope that's what we've done over these last four weeks. The Holy Spirit is God. He's as much God as God the Father and Jesus. And He lives inside of you. Next Sunday, we're going to talk about the resurrection. We're going to finish Mark next Sunday. But between now and next Sunday, would you walk in the Spirit? Walk in the Spirit. Communicate with Him? Would you allow Him to speak through you? Would you allow Him to make decisions on your behalf? Would you walk in the Spirit and not fulfill the lusts of the flesh? Heavenly Father, we love you today. 
Thanks for listening today. If you're listening for the first time, we would love to hear from you. Maybe you have a question about the gospel of Jesus. If so, we'd like you to send us an email at hello at keystonerdu.church. If you're a regular listener to our podcast and you would like to donate to the media and outreach ministries at Keystone, your gift would allow us to do more in an effective way to get the gospel out. Thank you for partnering with us in ministry in Durham and around the world.